This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is the illustrious, nope, amazing, just Ariel, incredible, it's ostentatious, Ariel. ostentatious. I don't know. I'm making up words now. Ariel. <laughs> it's just Ariel. We go through this every time. That's it's a, Ariel. It's you're not just Ariel. Come on. You're everyone's Ariel. So, guys, we're doing <laughs> characters today. Oh, uh, yes, we're doing some important LOZ characters and some very iconic LOZ characters this episode. And we mean characters in Ocarina of Time. It's been a while since we've talked about Ocarina of Time. I know. It's been a while, so I thought I'd, you know, remind everybody. <laughs> And myself, what we're actually doing. So we're actually coming really close to the end of the Ocarina of Time kind of area of this exploration. It's about time. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> anyway, with all those jokes aside, let's get into it. And I'm going to start us off this time. Oh, I'm full of jokes. Oh, <laughs> so mean. <laughs> Right, so the, our first, I consider, iconic character on the list. I'm going to get the sad one out of the way. The saddest one in the Ocarina of Time. The Master Craftsman's Son. Now, I consider him iconic for multiple reasons, and we'll get into that as I get into the explanation. But for me personally, I don't know how other people felt, but for me personally, as a kid playing this, this was some really hard to deal with stuff that went down with this guy. And as an adult replaying this little side quest, it really is super deep and it really hits hard. I'm crying just now thinking about it on the inside. On the inside. We can't cry on the podcast. That would terrible for ratings. <laughs> Let me force myself to cry. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so the master craftsman's son, uh, he's basically when we first meet him, we meet him as Kid Link and he can be found underneath a tree near the entrance of the Kakariko village. He's depressed. He looks like um, the descriptions you get a lot is he looks like a deadbeat to me. He always looked like a punk rocker. I'm just saying had some very iconic hair. And style. Lots yeah. of spikes. <laughs> but anyway, everybody refers to him as kind of like this punk, this deadbeat, this loser, just 
waste of space kind of guy. Well, he is obviously the master craftsman of the village's son and the cuckoo lady's brother. So do you mean the cuckoo lady as in like chicken or... <laughs> yes, the chicken. The cuckoo lady as in like cuckoo. The chicken. The the chicken. <laughs> or is she a cuckoo, cuckoo lady? She's a very nice lady. She loses her chickens and you have to help her. But we're not talking about her. Um, another little tidbit about him is that he also appears to either be the granny of the village's grandson or... Or there is a slight possibility that that is his mother. Either way, we don't really have an answer. They're related in some way, shape, or form. But at any rate, when you talk to him as Link, he will start to talk about how he finds everyone, including his own family, mother and father included, to be disgusting. He'll go on this huge tirade about how they're awful and, you know, all of that. Later on, when you become Adult Link, you will come into a trading quest. We all know Legend of Zelda is very popular in the trading quest scene. But you'll go through a little bit of a process. You can talk to the Cuckoo Lady after waking Talon with the pocket Cuckoo. And it results in you getting a blue Cuckoo named Kojiro. She mentions that the Kuko used to belong to her brother, and ever since he disappeared, Kojiro has stopped crowing. Now she's referring to, obviously, her brother, the Master Craftsman's son. Now remember, we're adult Link now, so it's been seven years. He just, he's just gone, he disappeared. So you can go to the Lost Woods and find none other than the master craftsman's son sleeping there right next to the tree stump where a skull could would play his flute so you go there you present kojiro and he wakes up and is surprised because no one else has been able to tame kojiro except for him and he says to link i am taking this as a sign that you're a nice guy and he asks Link to deliver an odd mushroom to the old lady at a potion shop. So you deliver the mushroom and she calls the master craftsman's son a bum for going into lost woods and, you know, going on this whole tirade about how awful he is. And then asks if you can deliver that fool the odd potion she created. And this is where it hits home. Because you go back to the lost woods to give the master craftsman's son the medicine that he needed. Enfado is there instead. Enfado explains that due to the fabled curse of the woods, the master craftsman's son has become a Stalfos. And that is the end of this character. Now, I bring him up for two reasons. Number one, Super sad, super sad, because when you think about the grand scheme of things, this he didn't fit in. His father worked hard all day. He was the craftsman building, you know, homes for the village and everything else. His either his mother or his, you know, grandmother, whatever, was, you know, helping out around the village as well, you know, 
potions here, doing that there. His sister took care of all the chickens, the cuckoo. His entire family had something. They had purpose, and this guy didn't. And they, the entire village shunned him. They turned him away. They didn't like that he was different. And because of that, that's why he just referred to them as disgusting. Every single person he knows is disgusting. Years later, he wanders into the woods to get away from it all, to escape. And when all hope seems lost, here you come back seven years later, wandering in, showing him proof that the whole world isn't awful, only for him to lose everything. When he finally gets his shimmering light of hope that maybe someone will accept him as who he is, other than his blue Kuko Kojiro, it's all stripped from him. That is the most gruesome tale of fate that Ocarina of Time has presented, arguably, in that entire game. My heart right now. I know. I know. I tear up every time I have to experience that or even talk about it because it's sad. It's terribly sad. My heart. And the second reason I bring it up is because of that story being so impactful to the players. If you mention Kojiro to a big time Legend of Zelda fan or even the blue Kuko, you will watch people's faces go from lighting up and happy to talk about Legend of Zelda to immediate, immediate regret and sadness because everyone knows what the blue Kuko means. Well, that chicken was probably blue from all the tears of the players. (laughs) It's such a sad story. It's awful. Um, But anyway, that being said, let's move on to some kind of happier. Let's talk about Malin. Okay. So Malin is a reoccurring character in the Legend of Zelda series. We know this, you know... She's been in Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and so on and so forth. However, in this one, in the Ocarina of Time, she is the co-owner of Lon Lon Ranch, along with her father, Talon. Now, this is crazy because she's just a kid at the time that we first meet her at Lon Lon Ranch. Just a kid. And as a co-owner of a ranch. That's awesome. I have a few Easter eggs on Malin and Talon. Ooh, should we save them till next episode? Or should we drop them right after we talk about Malin? Mm, I'm going to save them because I'm <sighs> going to make y'all suffer some more. <laughs> oh, goodness. <clears throat> so continuing about Malin, Malin frequently has to basically parent her father for his slacking off. And losing track of what he was doing. And it's it's constant. In the first time you meet Malin is when you walk into Hyrule Town and you go to the castle. Like you can stop and talk to her in the town. But when you get to the castle, it's a forced, almost forced interaction where you have to talk to her and she says, Hey, can you do me a favor? And find my father. And take this chicken and wake him up, basically. 
If you find him, let him know that I'm looking for him. Get his butt back to work for me. And here's an incubated egg for the trouble. Will we find her dad sleeping next to the milk crates? Towards the little secret entrance we have to use to get into the castle the first time. And we have to use said incubated chicken to wake him. When he wakes up, he immediately freaks out. And the first thing he says is, Malin's going to basically kill him. And that's the last time we see Malin and Talon for a little while. And the next time we see Malin is in Lon Lon Ranch, where she is caring for the very, very scared Epona. Oh, Epona. Epona won't let anyone near but Malin. Later, Link is allowed to approach Epona, but not until Malin teaches Link Epona's song. Now, what's interesting about this song, which a lot of fans didn't probably don't know, I didn't know before we started doing research, is here's the feels. Epona's song is the song that Malin's dead mother used to sing to her all the time. Uh, I know the feels. Uh, the feels. So Malin uses this song to calm Epona, which is why Malin's the only one who can approach until Link learns it. So after this, Epona starts to warm up to Link. Everything's going grand. And then, boom, next time, we're adults. We go back to Lon Lon Ranch and it is seeing some bad times. Ingo gained permission from Ganondorf to own the ranch and he kicks Talon out for sleeping all the time and being lazy. Malin does not like the new ownership that she's under and it's because Ingo treats the horses terribly. The ranch is suffering. Everything is just awful. So when Link comes by he wagered 50 rupees on a horse race with Epona. We win. And afterwards, Ingo was a changed man. And the ranch came back to normal like it was under Talon and Malin's original ownership. Because during that race, Epona, through the power of friendship, teaches him He's an awful person. <laughs> There's a whole thing there. But anyway, Malin eventually realizes that Epona has grown extremely fond of Link. And the next time we show up, there's an obstacle course. We ride through it with Epona and Epona is happy and listening and is, is, is finally tamed. And Malin was over the moon. Once that happens, we take Epona with us. So, Malin, in a nutshell, is like the kid who had to grow up too fast. And then it's, it's almost like a Hallmark movie. Malin's life is like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> She, you know, she had to grow up fast, had to take care of her father all the time, 
he, you know, had to take care of this ranch, tamed this wild, untamable horse with a simple song from her dead mother, and then later on in life, she needs a hero to come save her from the terrible tyranny that is the new owner. And it's, I'm telling you, it's a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> but Malin is, I, by far, one of the purest-hearted characters in the Legend of Zelda series, I would argue. I swear there's not an evil bone in that girl's body. No time for evil when you've got a father and a ranch to take care of. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> that's pretty much it for them. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritties. There's a couple little stabs and jabs here about, you know, Talon asking Link if he would one day marry Malin. You know, there's a couple little things here and there, but they're little side cork, you know, quirky little jokes and jabs. So we won't get into those. We'll talk. We may talk more about them in the Easter eggs. But the next one I want to jump into, we're finally getting into some really important characters for the Ocarina of Time. And these are our seven sages. They're all important characters, Aaron. Every single one of them forges Link as he is known today. But some are a little bit more important than the others because, you know, they help save the whole entire world. But, you know, just saying. <laughs> so first one on the list of our seven slash six that we're going to talk about today, Sages, is Rauru. And this is a really hyped up, talked about character because... Rauru is not only the Sage of Light, but he is also one of the ancient sages who long ago helped to construct the Temple of Time. Bet that took a lot of time. <laughs> Told you I was full of them. So, <laughs> so some things about Rauru. Rauru is the first person Link meets after having been sealed in the Temple of Time for seven years. The Rauru tells Link that after he was sealed away, Ganondorf entered the Sacred Realm and touched the thing he wasn't supposed to touch and broke it and chaos ensued and everything sucks because you were stuck in Limbo Land for seven years. In addition to this, Rauru tells Link that the only way of stopping him is to basically get the other sages. So that's pretty much what Rauru's whole tasking is in this game is he's the Sage of Light and he's the guiding force for Link. However, the funny thing is, is that Rauru was actually seen prior to this as the Owl Kapora Gabora. So the funny thing about Rauru and Kapora Gabora is they can exist independently from one another. They are the same entity, but they are not as well. Because right after Link draws the Master Sword, uh, Kapora Gabora also appears and comments on it like almost immediately after. So 
the thing is is that when in reality is Kapora Gabora and Rauru are two totally different entities, but Rauru basically possesses Kapora Gabora. And a lot of people are like, well, what do you mean? What it means is Rauru isn't a physical sage. He is a spirit. He is one of the ancient sages, meaning he has given up almost his entire physical vessel to become a spirit sage of light, essentially, which is what we see several of the other sages in this game do. Minus Zelda. Zelda's the only sage that pretty much keeps her physical manifestation. So a little bit more on Rauru before we move on to the next one. Rauru, you know, he's got a quite an impressive resume for a sage. He was one of the ancient sages, helped build the Temple of Time, basically sealed the tri, helped to, to seal the Triforce away in, you know, the spiritual realm. He, he, he He's been an advisor to the royal family in some extent, helped to train the other sages, uh, helped to appoint future sages. You know, he's got the extensive resume. He's basically like the big boss of the sages. And even now in this game, he's still assisting. He's taking the form of Kabora Gabora to guide Link as he's young and even into his adult years and then reveals himself. Like he's, he's the guiding force for Link. He's the one that's helping Link out left and right. He's always there. And that's important because after the Deku tree died, Link was basically left with no one to guide him. That's pretty sad. Get this little kid who has no guiding force. He can get over it. I mean, Malin didn't have a guiding force. I mean, yeah. She was a kid and she had to be forced to take care of everything. I mean, we did. We were the hero of time, so we got over it, but. <laughs> but yeah, so not a whole lot else on Rauru um, that I, well, that I want to talk about right this second, but this is where we're at with Ocarina of Time. This is kind of how he fits in and this is his role. He will pop up again in the series and has been in the series before because there is a huge huge drop that Rauru is actually Zelda's dad from Skyward Sword that's why they share such an owl like similar appearance to one another um, now this has been loosely confirmed to be true but it hasn't been set in stone that that is Rauru or a, you know, Rauru is a descendant of Zelda's dad. It's just said that, yeah, that's why we made him look like that. Owls are a symbol of wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wait, what is Zelda's thing? Is it wisdom? Oh, weird, huh? <laughs> oh, goodness. So moving on to our next sage. This one's a sad sage. This is Saria, sage of the forest. So Saria is from the very beginning of the Ocarina of Time game. It is made very aware that Saria is going to play a very important part, if not parts uh, in the Ocarina of Time game itself. Especially when you first leave the forest, Saria gives Link his first Ocarina. And, you know, there's this really heartfelt, you know, come together moment between the two of them. So, yeah, 
it's extremely hinted at that she's going to play a big part. But we didn't realize how big of a part that would be. So she... So it's a couple background things before we get into the nitty gritties. She is considered to be very pretty amongst her fellow Kokiri. And there are a lot of them who regard her as a motherly figure and a person they've turned to for advice. And this is because she is extremely kind-hearted and she's very well-liked amongst the people in her village because she's willing to go out of her way to help anyone. Especially Mido, who didn't just look up to her, he developed some deep, deep feelings for her. And this is why he hates Link. Because she has some very, very, very strong feelings towards Link. And yeah, it's just the whole thing between those. It's a triangle. <laughs> so Saria is obviously already stated Kokiri. She's no older than the age of 10, constantly in appearance. And she wears the normal Kokiri garb. A very different appearance from her Kokiri counterparts with her is that she has a very rare hair color, which is green. She has green hair. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty cool. Usually it's like blonde or orange or, you know, some sort of shade like that. It's green. It's just green with her. So this is kind of our first nod towards her importance because of that, you know, whole Furore vibe. You know, the whole thing with Furore, green, you know. A couple more things about her before we get in the nitty gritties. She gives him, she gives Link the fairy ocarina when he leaves. And the she she's incredibly sad when he leaves and goes off about his you know his adventure but when he comes back he finds her in the sacred forest and she's super happy to teach him Saria's song and even more so happy when he pulls out her ocarina to do so so this this is you know this is super exciting and overwhelming for her and it's incredible oh <sighs> She feels that special bond growing between the two of them. And then you're locked away for seven years. During this time, Saria felt the spirit of the forest calling for help within the temple that lies beyond the forest. She went to go check it out and got captured. Unfortunately, Here comes Link to save the day, though. Link comes here. He finds out that she's been kidnapped. He immediately starts to inquire just a bit. You know, of course, Link doesn't say anything, but it's implied through Sheik that there's some heavy, like, push of what's going on because Sheik never outright says, oh, yeah, sorry, is the first sage. You got to go help. Just says, basically, you know, along the lines of, you're going to be real familiar with this one. So you go, you travel back to Kokiri Forest, 
Everyone's gone. Mido blames you for everything, of course. And Saria, you know, you go in, you fight, you know, you go through the whole temple, you get everything done, and you find Saria. Saria then gives Link Force Medallion and basically fades into the spirit world. So that's pretty much it we get for Saria. She's the, you know, loving, motherly nature driven, caring friend of the village and has developed some really strong feelings for Link. And basically because of her caringness, she's basically left to wander into the woods and become captured and stumble into this whole thing, which come to find out later was her ultimate destiny. But it's still incredibly sad that her caringness and her love and kindness is what led her ultimately to somewhat of a demise. So never be loving and kind in Legend of Zelda. (laughs) Kinda. That actually goes into our next age. (laughs) So next age is Princess Rudo. So I, I, you literally can go through Princess Rudo pretty quickly. Um, you first run into her as a kid. You help her with Jabu Jabu. You know, Jabu Jabu's sick. He needs medicine. He needs something. To, something's going on in him. You need to take care of it. The medicine happens to be our Kokiri sword and some boomerangs and things like that as we kill the creature living within. After this is done and during this entire thing, actually, we become very close with Princess Rudo of the Zoras. So much so, <clears throat> then when it's all over, she starts to grow a fondness for Link as well. Later on, fast forward seven years, the whole Zora village is frozen and chaos has ensued. So you have to go through the water temple and everything else in between to figure out what's going on. You finally defrost everybody. Everything seems happy-go-lucky. And then you find out Princess Rudo is none other than the Sage of Water. Not water. What? So, it's important to note that Princess Rudo, when she was young, basically proposed to Link. (laughs) So later on, when you go back as an adult, she starts talking about how she's sorry, but they basically can't get married because she has sage duties now. And she basically gives you the cold shoulder in a way, but you can tell she still really has strong feelings for Link. You know, her name should have been Malin instead of Rudo because Watermelon. Oh my gosh, I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our Ruto. Next brings us Impa. Now, Impa is a very, very, very interesting character we can go super in depth with. I enjoy Impa. Yes, she is awesome. But for the sake of brevity and the fact that Impa deserves almost her entire own episode and everything should be smushed together in one episode from game to game about her, 
We're just going to talk about her in Ocarina of Time right now, and we're going to talk about her role. So, Impa is a Sheikah that did, you know, was basically appointed as Zelda's guardian. As we know, the Sheikahs are 10 2, and we know um, that that's Impa's whole job in life 90% of the time. Uh, <laughs> what is different in this one is how Impa decides to protect Zelda. In this one, Impa does not go out of her way to physically protect Zelda left and right. Though she does, she hauls off in the middle of the night with Princess Zelda and disappears with Ganondorf hot on their heels. Seven years later, we find out that Impa trained Zelda in the art of the Sheikah. So then we get Sheik, who's totally awesome. But anyway, Impa couple things about her during this game. She is the owner of Kakariko Village and has welcomed basically the poor and the homeless and the, you know, downtrodden into her village. The only condition is they rebuild it and make it their own home and take care of it. So this is why everybody's so mad at the Master Craftsman's son because he's not helping. He's not doing his part. I feel like that's uh, hypocritical, though. You welcome in all these homeless and, you know, distraught, whatever, people into your town. Mm -hmm. I feel like then, you know, they should have openly welcomed the Master Crafting Son. Yeah, you'd think that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Impo literally welcomed the different into her home. Oh, but you're you're just you're too different. You're for too us. different. We're not gonna, <laughs> you know, help you find your purpose in life. No, no. You're just you're too different for us. Listen, I never said the master craftsman's son was wrong when he said all these people are disgusting people. <laughs> oh gosh. So essentially later on we find out that Impa is she's done a lot of things. She's sealed away Bongo Bongo into the well. She's she's sealed away you know, old ancient artifacts of the royal family into different tombs and crypts. She's done a lot of things and Kakariko Village is literally a mask for all the dirty deeds the Sheikah have done. We find this out. But then we also find out that Impa is basically the very definition of operating in the shadows for the light. And because of that, she is the Sage of Shadows. Very fitting for Impa. Very fitting. (laughs) And for the first time in the entire Legend of Zelda series, I think Impa got the light she deserved. I still like Impa. I mean, yeah, but... I like Impa. She really got put in the spotlight in this game in my opinion, because she finally got that title she deserved. She's been awesome this entire series. And continues to be awesome. Yes! <laughs> Even after this. So, again, won't go too much more in depth with her. Um, that's pretty much the essentials. We, Like I said, she pretty much needs her own episode to really get down to who she is. But that brings us to... Noboru, the Sage of Spirit. So, Noboru kind of 
another one that's pretty sad. In fact, I don't think there is a single sage that doesn't have like a sad backstory. <laughs> so Noboru is a lone wolf style thief during the child timeline. And then later she acts as the leader of the Gerudo during the adult timeline. And during this time as an adult, she is very, very, very much against Ganondorf's rule and reign. And because of this, she basically gets captured and forced into an iron knuckle. 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 During which we fight her, we knock the armor off, we reveal that it's Noboru, and we go through that whole thing that we discussed before in multiple different ways. And eventually you find out that uh, Noboru basically was the very manifestation of the spirit. She embodied what it truly meant to be driven by spirit. So she becomes our sage of spirit. Now, a couple things about Noboru. She is kind, but direct and firm. And she does not take kindly to slacking. Because she will not hesitate to link off. If he starts to dilly-daddly or, you know, anything like that, he gets told off, just like anybody else does. She runs a tight ship. But she does this because of necessity. Because she and the rest of the Grudo clan don't have time to mess around, especially with Ganon hot on their heels. And the whole thing with her was when originally a part of the Gerudos from before in the child timeline, they wouldn't steal from those that were poor or destitute or ill. They refused. In fact, they'd help those people if they could. But when Ganon took over, he was forcing the Gerudo to basically kill those kind of people and take whatever they wanted. Noburu and a few others refused and became like this underground alliance that was against him. So that's it for uh, Noburu. Very interesting character. So that brings me to my last character to talk about this episode. Darunia. The big lummox. I also like Darunia because <laughs> I love Gorons. So. He's the best. He's the best. So not going to go super in depth with Darunia for the sake of time. And he'll be brought up many a times in later on the series. Darunia is a. He's a kind, gentle. Giant. Giant. But when he gets hungry, he gets hangry. And we see this when we first run into him and he doesn't want to talk to us. I, you know, I've been waiting for the messenger of the king, blah, blah, blah. Not some runt. Then you sing him a nice little song. He does a jolly dance and he's like, we're best friends now. He's, he's hangry. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> but uh, the whole time, no matter what happens to him, he wants to see the good in people until he knows without a shadow of doubt he's been wronged and he seeks retribution for that he is a protector of his people and everyone alike he even calls the king his brother so 
much like as the Gorons we know and love today, Ocarina of Time Gorons were still very much peaceful, loving creatures. I do enjoy the Gorons. Oh my gosh, they're so adorable. So that's it. That's all my characters. It's a whole stack. It's a whole lot. I know. Whew. So with that being said, I think we should go to a mid-break. And then Ariel, don't you have some characters for us? Yep, I have eight just like you. Woo-woo! Well, here we are, Ariel. In the middle of the episode. Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. It's awful middly in here. Ooh, you would be right. If it wasn't for the fact we have to thank our patrons before I say anything else. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, first we have to thank... None other than the uh, greatest researcher that ever lived, Kex, the Golden Goddess level patron. Then we have Hyrule Royalty, Paul Butt. We have our Sheikah patrons, Deadeye0325 and Relic2 Redman. And our Kokiri patron, Remington Cloutier. Woo, y'all are awesome. I love our patrons. Same, and you know who (laughs) else is awesome? Who's that? All you listeners out there, y'all are awesome. I agree. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. Honestly, I feel like we do the merch segment specifically for the listeners. (laughs) Who else would we do it for? We just like talking into, you know, empty rooms about merch? No. I do. Oh. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not, guys. He's not. <laughs> He's not at all. No, uh, really, though, huge thank you to our patrons and you as the listeners. Ariel's right. Without all of you, we wouldn't have a show. And we appreciate it. So with that being said, speaking of merch, Ariel. I, I read an article. Oh, really? No. Oh. So- <laughs> Come on, I need some more Legend of Zelda articles out there, guys. Come on. So, no, I did bring merch. Woo-woo! And, you know, have you ever wanted to, like, dress dress fancy, yet show your nerd side? Always. So I have something for you. (gasps) This comes from Hero's Armory. And it is the Hero's Tie and the Hero's Sword Tie Clip. What? Yeah, it's actually pretty cool, actually. It's um, a green tie with little triforces all over it. Okay, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then the sword. It's the sword. It's the master sword. Yeah, tie clip. (laughs) Say no more. You can get the hero sword tie clip in different colors. Uh, You can get silver and gold. You can get silver silver and black or black now i personally recommend the silver and gold i think it looks coolest but i mean all of them are pretty cool and you can get this bundle for 40 dollars, 39.99 so not too bad not too bad in price and you know i mean it does look pretty pretty dressy it's not you know i will say that if you were to wear this tie and tie clip it would go well with a nice dress ensemble. You'd have to get up on it to figure out what it is. And even then you'd be like, dang it. I hate that. That looks so nice. 
I know because it, it looks it looks very nice. You can wear oh, yeah. this with, you know, nice uh, suit or you know, nice nice jacket. So with your button ups. I'm I'm oh. getting one right. No. Oh. So um, also I, I was looking through this website because I was looking through different stuff. They also have the Hillian Shield um, cufflinks. <gasps> I know it was pretty cool, but I wanted to cover the tie in the tie clip. But if you, you know, search through Heroes Armory, you can find the cufflings and they have different bunch of different cool stuff. So yeah, I'll post that in the show notes. The link <laughs> in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> can't boo me. This is why you don't get a tie. Oh, I, I am now a man on a mission, though. I'm going to try to find an entire suit ensemble. We're talking like three piece. I want the vest and everything. I'm going to try to find one so I can put an entire Legend of Zelda suit together. Oh, I'm sure I can find something. Let's go. Challenge accepted. All right. <laughs> Tune in for the next episode when I come with the suit to go with it. I will tell you this much. If and when we have to do cons, I am going to wear this suit at least once to every con we go to. I'm going to dress up as Link. Oh my gosh, yes. I don't care. I don't oh. care, I'm a girl. Oh my gosh. Oh, nobody cares. Yeah, I don't. Nobody cares. Listen, hands down, some of the best cosplayers to do male characters, girls. Yeah, I'm all for it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> you know what's back on topic? The merch I brought for today. I thought you were going to say the end of the episode. Oh, I get to discuss my characters. No, we're Darn. not getting there. <laughs> <sighs> uh, no, but mine's actually pretty cool and pretty quick. Mine is again from Etsy. And this time it comes to us from the artist uh, Astoria Workshop. And this is a Legend of Zelda Triforce display pedestal of time for the Master Sword from Ocarina of Time. Ooh. And you can get this in a couple of different designs. So you get the Dark Triforce stone for 165, the gold and moss with no flower for 185, the gold with no moss or flower 175. Gold, flower, and moss. And the flower they're talking about here is the princess flower from Breath of the Wild. So that one, if for all three, you get that for 205. The dark with moss is 185. And the trial of the sword pedestal is $295. It's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. The silent princess flower uh, looks really good. I will say I showed this to you before we started recording and you were like, I want, <laughs> and I will say from this very same artist, you can in fact get just the silent princess flower. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So if you want just the silent princess flower, cause I'm bringing you two for one here. Um, you can get those for about $35 and they are super nice. 
super, super nice. Um, but again, same creator. And we will share the links in the show notes for both of those items. But with that being said, Ariel, I think that wraps it up. What do you think? I think you should read some reviews. Oh, yes. I was hoping you would tell me to. <laughs> so, our reviews. The first review comes to us from Snappy Minion, and it is, I always look forward to new episodes. Five stars. Hey, I'm Anthony, and this podcast is so fun. I've been a Zelda fan for about five years now. Welcome. <laughs> and have played almost all of the games. I love the way that you guys break down the history of Hyrule. One question, though. What is your favorite timeline split? The timeline split? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Oh, you are such a liar and a bad one at that. <laughs> what is your favorite timeline split? I would have to say the Heroes Fallen timeline. Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Just because I like it. You, you, uh, you know what? We'll save your reasoning till we get to that episode. Well, I mean, I can say I honestly, I I'm one of those people that, you know, don't like happy endings. Oh, so like, you know, heroes fallen. I kind of like that aspect. Are you an edgy edgelord? I'm going to keep that awkward silence. in. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, you already know. Mine is the uh, Link is a Narc timeline or the child timeline. I feel like, let me tell you the reason for you. You're a narc. So that's why you <laughs> like it so much. I'm not a narc. <laughs> yes, no, I liked it because it was, you know, the dark, edgy, McEdgy, Edgestein timeline and the Edgy links in the make egg edgestein i can't even say it wow <laughs> i can't even make fun of you properly nope that's why i did it oh boy no i enjoyed majora's mask which we're getting ready to talk about soon yes <sighs> i i enjoyed it for multiple reasons and i'll save that until we get there but i also enjoyed twilight princess i mean yeah mm-hmm. they're all great games they I'm are not even gonna argue that two of my top favorites but anyway, uh, Snappy Minion goes on to say, this podcast is the best one ever. Keep up the great work and have fun. Always. Always have fun. I don't have fun with you. Oh, you're a liar. Awful liar. <laughs> so next review comes to us from Papa Skr. I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. It's Papa S-C-R. Papa Skr. Papa Skr. Whatever. <laughs> I was close enough. Dang it. <laughs> anyway, it just says do an episode on Kukos. Five stars. Do it. Well, we've been told. Um, I don't take demands. Oh, but I want to. Okay, we'll do it then. <laughs> soon, very soon. <laughs> so, the next one comes to us from Shalali. Love this podcast. Five stars. This podcast helps me understand the lore and the basics of the Zelda. And when I grow up, I will be a donor and will be on there. 
love LOZ. Keep it up. Well, first off, I appreciate you immensely. You don't have to be a donor. Just listening is enough. Thank yeah. you for that. Secondly, uh, we're definitely going to keep it up and because we love LOZ too. So, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> and our last review comes to us from LOZ Jasper. Best podcast ever. What is your favorite mask in Majora's Mask? Love this podcast. Can you do a LOZ couples episode? Sorry for such a long review. Love y'all. It wasn't a very long review. You don't have to apologize. And um, actually, yes, we have a uh, fellow Robots Radio Network host that we're going to invite on. I'd say sometime within the very near future to talk uh, LOZ couples since that is their forte. Um, but yeah, we're going to do that. And to answer your question, my favorite mask in Majora's Mask is the Fierce Deity Mask. Hands down. But if I have to pick a different mask that can't be the Fierce Deity Mask, I'd have to go with the Goron Mask because you get to be a roly-poly boy and roll everything over. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's your favorite mask? <laughs> the Darth Maul mask. The Darth Maul mask. Oh, <laughs> oh, we'll get into that. Oh, yeah. Oh. But but for real, I mean, my favorite would probably be the Fierce Deity. But I mean, Darth Maul. Darth Maul mask. We'll get there. We'll get there. Keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. That is a topic. <laughs> so with that being said, we do have one final thing that we need to say before, of course, we get to our sponsors. Ariel, mm-hmm. we got sent a picture from a very awesome fan. Uh, we did, and I absolutely love that picture. I love it. And it's going up in our studio. It definitely is going up in our studio. Yep. Wholeheartedly. I have a spot for it. So we have to we have to give a huge thank you to William, who drew this for us. And you know what? When I finally figure out how to get it, I'm actually going to post it on the Twitter and in our Discord so our fans can see it too. William was awesome enough to make us this wonderful picture. And the minute I got it, I ran to Ariel and goes, look, 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 we got, we got fan art. And I was just excited. <laughs> we had to hang it in the studio. We're, no, I said we're hanging it in the studio okay you did say first that we're hanging in the studio uh, but I was just over the moon that William drew us an awesome picture so again I know you're listening William thank you so much for drawing that picture for us it was awesome and we love it so from there it's time for some lovely sponsors So today I don't feel like being fancy and just working this in. So I know I feel Mm. so STL Ocarina has absolutely gorgeous ocarinas. Mm -hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. If you want or need or both or want to join in us with our, uh, you know, (laughs) duel. (laughs) <laughs> that we still have to do. <laughs> yep. 
Halloween duel. <laughs> uh, head on over to STL Ocarina. Use our promo code LOZLORE10 and save yourself 10% off. And not only do you get the ocarina, you also, you know, get the songbook and the mm-hmm. how to play. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, yes, head on over there. Get yourself a really cool ocarina. Save yourself 10% off. And also, so y'all love dice because I love dice. Uh, of course I love dice. I have like a I have a ridiculous <laughs> amount of dice. I'm not even kidding you. So, anyways, head on over to Metallic Dice Games using our link in the show notes below. And you can save yourself 10% off your purchase. So they have dice, they have dice trays, dice towers, dice boxes, whatever it is you want dicing needs, they have. And they sell metal dice, they sell resin, they sell gemstone, rubber, wooden. They have so many different types of absolutely beautiful dice. So head on over there using our link and you will save 10%. Dun, dun, dun. And I actually think they're doing like a bunch of sales right now too. So you get the sale discount on top of the promo discount right now. Oh yeah, there was a bunch of awesome deals in there. For some really cheap dice that looked really really cool i'm pretty sure i saw a metal set that looked like it had like the same kind of like gold kind of like tint that the triforce does for like 70 percent off dang i think it was like 10 bucks yeah head over there if you like dice just do it <laughs> heck yeah and save yourself 10% off. And, you know, saving yourself 10% off of dice and 10% off of ocarinas. That, you know, that's 20% off that you got. And you can go and buy yourself a really cool tie. <laughs> oh. And tie clip. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think it's time to dive into this end of this episode. And, uh, Talk about the characters that Ariel has. And B.O.W.'s? No B.O.W.'s. Wrong episode. Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, regrettably, here we are at the end of the episode. Save your tears. For the kingdom? Ah. (laughs) You gonna leave that awkward pause in there, too? Uh, I wish I could insert my face. (laughs) Oh, all right. My bad puns aside. What do you got for us, Ariel? I got some characters. The ones you didn't cover. Of course. I got the cool ones. (laughs) I will say you did get the cool ones. I mean, they're all cool characters, but you know what I mean? So first one I have, are you ready for this? As ready as I'll ever be. I learned ninjutsu from Naruto. <laughs> Sheik. Sheik. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, since we don't have any enemies, you have to give these guys fun names then, huh? Uh, yeah, I always. Always. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. I love it. Learn so. ninjutsu from Naruto. All right. <laughs> yes. A little ninja. So, Sheik first pops up. After Link is freed from the Chamber of Sages after a seven-year nap. 
Yeah. Seven year nap. Seven year nap. He introduces himself as the survivor of the Sheikahs and informs Link to wake up the seven sages in order to bring peace to Hyrule. Then tells Link to get the hookshot. Mm-hmm. So Sheik pops up at the Sacred Forest Temple and tells him about the songs for warping that can access temple entrances and teaches him the Minuet of Forest. Oh, this song. Yeah. Uh, all these songs. We're, we're doing, before anybody asks, we are going to do the music of the Legend of Zelda series episode. We'll get there. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at the Fire Temple, he teaches him the Bolero of Fire. And at the Ice Cavern, teaches him about the Zoras and the Serenade of Water. And at Kakariko Village, teaches him the Nocturne of Shadow. Then helps Link on how to use the Master Sword and the pedestal to travel back and forth through time. I love that we had to be taught that by Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. So then he then teaches him the Prelude of Light. And at the Spirit Temple, the Requiem of Spirit. And finally, at the Temple of Time, he congratulates Link and explains what happens to Hyrule during his disappearance before finally revealing his true identity. Oh. It's Zelda. What? Zelda the whole time. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> so Zelda uses this alter ego to escape Ganondorf's capture. And Sheik's physical appearance and fighting style is that of a ninja. The Sheikah. No. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, of all the... All the names you could have came up with, Sheik, Sheikah, <laughs> like, come on now. Listen, I didn't. Ha <clears throat> I'm going to defend Zelda on this one. Didn't really have time to come up with a catchy name like, you know, Rarara or you know, Bill. Bill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Sheik will forever be known as Bill to me. <laughs> so I do have a couple. Uh, fun facts. Oh, let's go. So in Twilight Princess, Zelda wears a cloak featuring the Sheikah emblem. And this was a tribute to the scrap Twilight Princess Sheik concept. Ooh. So wouldn't that have been cool, having a I'm... Sheik concept in Twilight Princess? <sighs> I would have loved that. Yeah. So in the next one I have is in Skyward Sword, the goddess's harp resembles the harp used by Sheik in Ocarina of Time. It's theorized that the goddess's harp became an heirloom of the royal family, like the Ocarina of Time and Spirit Flute, as it suggested the royal family of Hyrule is descendants of Hylia's mortal reincarnation. The spirit maiden Zelda from Skyward Sword. So it's theorized Zelda took the harp with her when Impa and her fled Hyrule Castle and then used it as Sheik to teach Link. I mean, at this point, it's not really so much as a theory theory. It's like, we know it's what happened, you know? I mean, yeah, but you still have to slap that theory on it. Yeah. It's not fact. It's not fact. It wasn't in the books. No. Yeah. I mean, they're the royal family bloodline. 
He's direct descendants of, you know, the goddess Hylia. So on and so forth. We know all this. We covered all this in past episodes. It just makes sense to take all of these crazy powerful artifacts with you when you go. I don't think Zelda's going to leave a harp just lying around that can travel through time. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know what they say when you assume. No, we're not doing that. (laughs) So I got one more little fun fact. Mm, Okay. So in Breath of the Wild, the stealth chest guard and stealth tights are based off Sheik. And you can get Sheik's mask from the Sheik amiibo. Facts. Because we have them. Fact. Uh, yeah, they're facts. <laughs> I never once said it's theorized that. I'm sorry. I just I felt the need to say things. I yeah. I finally got it. I was proud. All right. It took me how many times to scan that amiibo to get it? Don't answer that. Anyway, next. <laughs> next. Uh, that's all I got for chic. Woo! Honestly, second favorite Zelda to Tetra. We'll get there. (laughs) Will we? (laughs) We will. So the next character I have. Are you ready for this one? Oh, let's go. Arachno Greedy Glutton. (coughs) The Cursed Rich Man. Oh, I was going to guess. I was going to guess. Cursed Rich Man. (laughs) So the Cursed Rich Man and his five cursed sons live in the house of Skulchula in Kakariko Village they were cursed due to their greed and were turned into sculptulas. He explains to Link the only way to be freed of the curse is if all of the gold sculptulas around the kingdom of Hyrule are destroyed and their tokens are collected. So he persuades you to do this by promising great riches if they're all freed. There's a hundred gold sculptulas and you earn rewards in intervals of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and 100. So, and at each interval from 10 to 50, one of the children are freed, and the man is freed after you get all 100. Yeah, that's... Cursed Rich Man. I just want to say, the reward for completing this was the biggest letdown of my childhood. <laughs> I spent hours doing this and all I got was a giant wallet. Listen, you get the <laughs> satisfaction of freeing this really, really greedy man and his greedy children. I was not satisfied because all I got was a wallet that can contain all the rupees that I could ever hope for, but it was empty. <laughs> He's greedy. Come on now. Oh, that's why you're a gold skulljula. So I have a couple fun facts about him. Mm. Two, actually. So he is known as far away as Zora's domain. As Azora references the cursed family as the only ones that could afford to purchase the Zora tunic. Hmm. 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 What would they need it for, though? They were just saying that they'd be the only ones that could afford it because, you know, so expensive. (laughs) So expensive. Maybe you should lower your prices. (laughs) Probably. So another fun little fact. You can strike any of the cursed family with a sword strike to the back. They will cry out in pain and be stunned for a moment. 
They will spin around afterwards and it could hurt you. They will then attack you once. After that, they'll be peaceful again. And you can also leave the house and return and they'll be peaceful again. So you can hit them. They'll attack you. I already knew that one because uh, in my infinite wisdom as a child, I immediately got jump scared and the spider came down and attacked it and regretted all my life decisions <laughs> with half a heart left. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. Oh, okay. Give it to me and see if I can guess who it is. My favorite candy is Baby Ruth's. Uh, is it Darmani? Nope. Oh, okay. I don't know who. It's Dompe. Oh, Dompe. Dang it. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> so he lives in Kakariko Village graveyard in a shack. He sleeps during the day and paces around it at night. Dompe's heart pounding grave digging tour is his famed nightly romp. When asked, he will unearth any plot of dirt along his route either revealing a piece of heart, rupees, or nothing at all. A young boy will follow his route during the day and yell at you if you try to pull on a gravestone and threatens to tell Dompe. I'm a tell on you. Ark. Sounds like Aaron. <laughs> this is sad, because Dompe passed away during Link's seven-year nap. Dompe. I know, but his ghost can be found in his grave. And he'll challenge you to a race and reward you with the hookshot. If you finish under a minute, you get a piece of heart. If you don't, you get a red rupee. Again, one of the most daunting, difficult tasks of my childhood in this game. <laughs> yeah, but if you, you know, don't finish under a minute and you still get the hookshot, you can go back. Mm -hmm. and use the hookshot to help you get a little faster. So Yeah. I also used the Pegasus boots. Of course you did. <laughs> R.I.P. Dompe. Mm. The next one I have is the Booze Brothers. Oh my gosh. I already know who this is. I love it, but that is cheesy. <laughs> I thought it was really good. So it's flat and sharp. Oh boy. <laughs> So, during their life, they served the royal family of Hyrule. They were originally from Kakariko Village, implying they were Sheikah in life. They wrote many musical masterpieces. They were also on a mission to analyze the hereditary, mysterious powers of the royal family. They wanted to figure out the true power behind the Triforce, but just couldn't. However, they completed a study about controlling the flow of time with the use of ocarinas. I know. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So Ganondorf then swoops in and tries to steal their research and threatens their lives if they don't give it up. The brothers nobly give their lives to protect their secret from Ganondorf. Another not today jerk moment. <laughs> So they kept serving the royal family as Poe's by guarding the Kakariko graveyard. And after defeating them and them realizing you are not one of Ganondorf's men, they reveal their studies of a song, one to summon the sun and one to summon the moon. 
there are combined studies created the sun song which you can find in the tomb inscribed at the end along with a poem to accompany the melody so I mean I like flattened shark they gave their lives up said to no kill us then yes a lot of people overlook these characters and this is why in our research we both agreed we should bring them up is because they played an incredibly crucial role in the development of the ocarina itself uh, yeah definitely which a lot of people overlook and even a longtime fan like myself completely overlooked this for years. It wasn't until I got real bored one day and was like, you know, I'm going to read up on these guys that I discovered the ocarina. I was like, oh my gosh, we now know who developed the ocarina. Yeah, the Booze Brothers. <laughs> so, do we have any interesting facts on these? I do. I have two. <gasps> Ooh. So, Sharp and Flat seem to be based on Mario and Luigi. Mamma mia! Sharp, the older brother, is a bit smaller and chubbier than Flat. Sharp has a red sun symbol on his cap, and Flat has a green moon one. Hmm. Coincidence? Hmm. I think not. And their names come from musical symbols used to modulate the pitch of a note, if you didn't know that. Their German names refer to the composers Bach and Beethoven, as their names are Johann and Ludwig. Why did we not just go with those? I know, that kind of sounds <sighs> cool. But yeah, the the German names weren't flat and sharp, it was Johann and Ludwig. Ugh. I wish we would have just gone with those. I mean, I love Flat and Sharp. I do think it's funny that their names are Flat and Sharp, but... Hmm. That one I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> so, ready for the next one? Let's go. Overshadowed and not as talented little brother. Ooh, um... Grrr. Nope. No idea. Metagoron. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, Metagoron owns a store in Goron City. Metagoron's blades, blade store. It's a tight fit for him due to his size because he didn't foresee that during construction. <laughs> yep. So, he sells you uh, the giant's knife for 200 rupees and despite it taking him five to six years to make it it'll break after striking it eight times or four times if hit at enemies so it, it breaks faster when hitting an enemy oh yeah how inconvenient i know Metagoron also refers to it as a small weapon, though it takes you two hands to wield it. <laughs> hmm. I remember this. Alright, one little fun fact about him. Metagoron is a mashup of Medium and Goron. Get it? Metagoron? I did know uh, that. Referencing his medium size compared to Biggeron and other normal size Gorons. So. 
Ah, that's my little fun fact. <laughs> I love the fact that we have like the tiny Goron, the medium Goron, and the big Goron. Like, I just love that about the series. Love the names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of that, just the big Goron. <laughs> Can you guess it? Is it... Just a big Goron. Oh, gosh, this one's hard. Uh, is it, by chance, Bigoron? No. Oh. It's Bigoron. Uh, come on. <laughs> so he lives on Death Mountain next to the Great Fairy Fountain. He's much more skilled at blade making than his brother. <laughs> hmm. So you bring the broken Goron sword to him to fix, but his eyes are irritated due to the recent Death Mountain eruptions. He promises a great sword if you get him eye drops. <laughs> he gives you a prescription and tells you to take it to King Zora. You then get the claim check for the Biggeron sword, which takes three days to complete. <sighs> I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, some little fun facts here. Wearing the Goron mask while speaking to King Zora will reveal that Biggeron and King Zora are friends and have known each other since childhood. I mean... At what point do you think King Zora realized that Biggeron's going to be way bigger than me? Because, I mean, King Zora's pretty big compared to other Zora. But, I mean, Biggeron literally lives on top of Death Mountain and is almost the size of the mountain. <laughs> I mean, he should have known by his name alone. His name's Biggeron. <laughs> Uh. So another little fun fact A message in questionable English Can be read on the claim check And I have it here Goron sword ticket The above is very important That your adventure Because you will be able To arrange the Goron sword We believe you can progress yourself Big Goron So broken. Yep. <laughs> Much like the sword we have to use to get the bigger on sword. Yeah, but the bigger on sword is so cool. Oh my gosh, yes. Before we continue, there is one more thing I wanna I wanna bring up about Bigger on. When they named Metagoron and Biggeron, do you think that they were abnormally sized babies? They were like, oh that's a big Goron. So, uh, you know, when he fell from the sky. Yeah, because we have no idea how Gorons are born. <laughs> he just fell from a big giant stork. That stork was like, his name's going to be Biggeron. Through the huffing and puffing. <laughs> yeah. His name's Biggeron. <sighs> and then when his brother came along, he was like, huh, this isn't as bad. Whew. Metagoron. <laughs> Not as bad. Whew. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> anyway, who's next? <laughs> the most attractive character in Ocarina of Time. Um, is it Ganondorf? No. Lord Jabu Jabu. Oh, my God. 
This is actually my last character too, so. He resides on an altar in Zora's Fountain and Sacred Lake behind Zora's Domain. He's worshipped by the Zoras and acts as a guardian deity like the Great Deku Tree. The royal family is in charge of his care. If someone offers him a fish, he's supposed to bring them happiness, according to Zora legend. Jabu Jabu is said to be very benevolent, and the Zora encourage everyone to see him if they visit the Zora domain. Ganondorf, once again, left his little present, and Lord Jabu Jabu begins displaying symptoms of the curse. King Zora believes that may be why he swallowed Ruto, though really it's because she wanted to get away from him, like she tends to do. Oh my god. <laughs> she does. But because of the Beery and other creatures in him, she couldn't get out. Ugh. After getting sucked in from the fish you offer him, you find Ruto, defeat the enemies, and big baronade fight. Ruto is so happy and pleased, and you get the Zora Sapphire. After Link's seven-year nap, Lord Jabu Jabu is inexplicably absent. He probably said, forget all this crap, I'm out. (laughs) I ain't trying to be no frozen fish sticks in a lake. I'm out. Right. So I do have some fun facts here. Mm. Jabu Jabu can be compared to the wind fish in Link's Awakening. They are both godlike, whale-like creatures. Uh Uh-huh. Which we know most Leviathan are. Uh, so they share a lot of similarities in their body structure. I can't wait to get to Breath of the Wild and talk about those guys. Yeah. <sighs> so Jabu Jabu also shares strong similarities with Jabun in Wing Waker. They are both large round fish. It's implied that Jabun is Jabu Jabu's descendant. I mean, their names are similar. Yeah. <laughs> Jabun's theme music is a remix of the dungeon theme for Inside Jabu Jabu's Belly. I did know that. I did know that one. Well. Well. In Twilight Princess, in the lake bed temple there, are sculptures that resemble Jabu Jabu. And some of the guards wear masks that resemble him. I did notice the masks. I didn't bother paying attention to the sculptures. Yep. And the large fish statue at Zora's domain in Breath of the Wild represents Jabu Jabu. I did know that one. And in Breath of the Wild, there's a ridge southeast of East Reservoir Lake named Jabu Ridge, referencing Jabu Jabu. Jabu Jabu. An emblem of the Zora Sapphire. Zora's Sapphire can be seen across his crown. (laughs) Jabu Jabu is the Japanese onomatopoeia for splashing water. Hmm. I didn't know that one. Splash, splash. Jabu Jabu. I was taking a bath. (laughs) He is also likened to a kami from Japanese culture, which is a deity of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually a lot of like Okami-esque, you know, 
characters in the Legend of Zelda series. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love these facts. Yep. And that's all I have on facts and characters for Ocarina of Time. Oh, this is this was a long episode, but it was it was good. And I did learn a lot in this one. And I did enjoy researching this one. I tried to keep my stuff short. I tried. That's okay. That's okay. But with that all being said, we've come to the end of the episode. And I think it's time we tell our listeners what we have planned next episode. Items. Items. Items, items, items. And I have a fun little thing I'm bringing too. Oh. Easter eggs. Yes. I'm ready for some more Easter eggs. Ocarina of Time. Yes. And we have some other things working behind the scenes that we'll come back and revisit, such as funny glitches and speed run hacks. And there's a lot of things to cover with Ocarina of Time. But since we are in the lovely little month of October. We are. We are. Surprisingly, I know. It's been a year. It's been a year. I know. Because... I'm about to be another year older. Oh, yeah, you are. Yeah. Happy early birthday, Ariel. Oh, thanks. (laughs) But with that being said, we're going to wrap up our Ocarina of Time season a little bit earlier than we expected. Uh, We're going to finish with items, and then we're going to roll right into Majora's Mask after that. And then we... Are we rolling into it like Biggeron? We are rolling into it like Link, Goron. I like Biggeron better. Okay, we'll roll into it like Biggeron. He doesn't roll much, though. He destroyed the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't fret if you are an absolutely a head over heels fan of the Ocarina of Time. We're coming back to these things. We're just getting the basics out of the way before we do the really deep dives. Oh, yeah, we got maps and mm-hmm. we got temples. and We even have the items themselves to deep dive into. We've skimmed the surface when it comes to the ocarina itself. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) So with all that being said, thank you for listening and tune in next time. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter at LOZLoreCast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.